If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. friends and welcome to another episode of the happy hour jamie ivy podcast i'm your host jamie and we've got a great show for you today before we get to that i have something i need to tell you that you need to listen up like really listen up because we have something that we're announcing in our newsletter soon that you do not want to miss guys i have missed gathering with people and i just that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say but i'm saying you need to be a part of our newsletter because that's where we're going to send out the info on what is coming up that we are offering you guys go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter and make sure that you are signed up to get our newsletter. And then I'm going to ask you, just take it a step further. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday and Friday. So if you're signed up or if you go and sign up and you don't get it, go look in your spam. Go look in some other kind of folder where they might put it because that's sometimes where mine goes and I have to go find it. And I'm telling you, you want to know what we are about to have for you guys. I am giddy excited. I'm also giddy excited about our guest today. Rachel Jones is here. She's the author of, here it is, A Brief Theology of Periods. Yes really that periods. Uh, she's also author of several books in the award-winning Five Things to Pray series, and she's an editor at The Good Book Company. She helps teach kids and serves on the mission core team at her church in Surrey, UK. This is such a unique and interesting topic of conversation that truly we don't talk about enough, and I'm so thankful for Rachel leading in this conversation. In today's episode, Rachel talks about what scripture says about women's periods and how we've been culturally raised to be secretive about periods. It's like we whisper, I'm on my period. Uh, Rachel, also dives into the topic of another book she wrote, which is called, Is This It?, which talks about the infamous quarter-life crisis and feeling like, is this really all there is? It's easy for us to be unhappy or dissatisfied when we have high hopes and big dreams, and we feel like we're living this monotonous life. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but I love today in the conversation when Rachel says that life is short and eternity is long, and it's very easy to get swept up in what now looks like, or even what the next 50 years look like. But if we really believe that we're headed to this glorious future, with the Lord Jesus, then we're not going to sweat the next 50 years. That is such good advice. Some of us can even say we're not going to sweat this weekend, the next few weeks. It's a beautiful reminder that no matter what our lives look like today, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we know that our future is so very, very bright. All right, friends, go subscribe to the newsletter, jamieivy.com slash newsletter. Make sure you're signed up. It's going to be fun, you guys. We're gathering. Oh, I cannot even wait. All right, y'all, here is my conversation with Rachel. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the happy hour. Hello. Thanks for having me. I I need to let you know that we have in 2021 probably had more people from across the pond than we ever have in our entire time on the happy hour. So I am so happy to have you on the show today. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just sad I didn't have an excuse to come and join you out there. Wouldn't that have been (laughs) lovely? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, introduce yourself to all the listeners. 
Yes, my name is Rachel Jones. I am VP Editorial at The Good Book Company, which is a Christian publishing company. I'm also an author of a few books. And where do you live? Tell us all those things. Oh, yeah, I live in so I live in southwest London, just right on the very, very edge of London. So it's pretty suburban. It's not glamorous like people think <laughs> living in London would be. And yeah, we live with we live with two housemates. We have a lot of fun together. We've had a lot of fun together this last year being locked down together. But um, yeah. Have you been in London your whole life? Born and no, raised? So I, so I grew up in the northwest of the country. So uh, yeah, so my parents are still up there, kind of 250 miles away. So uh, yeah, to people down here, I sound really northern. <laughs> like, and there's a certain amount of kind of scorn on a regional accent. But in the north, I sound really southern. So yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and to me, you sound completely like everyone else. <laughs> I, I, do I just sound generic British? You just sound generic British is all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I apologize for my last of regional British. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. And I want to let you know, a mutual friend of ours who you work with sent me an email and he's like, hey, I had this book I want you to read and maybe talk about. And I pulled it up and it's called A Brief Theology of Periods. Yes, mm -hmm. really. And you're not talking about periods at the end of a sentence. You're talking about a woman's periods. And I thought, have I ever seen a book about periods? Nonetheless, a Christian book about periods. And so, Rachel, we're going to jump right into this because I need to know, where in the world did you get the idea to write a book about <sighs> womanhood and periods? Well, I mean, I have them. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every month, give or take. And I guess, yeah, for a long time, I've thought, like, why? You know, all the kind of all the hassle, all the mess, all the hormones, all the pain. And just, you know, if we believe that God made our bodies, that you kind of end up asking the question, like, why would you make it like this? So kind of just sheer curiosity, I guess, but also kind of walking through life with various friends for whom actually periods are a huge part of their life and debilitating. You know, I've got a very dear friend who has endometriosis and, you know, it just, it just struck me that here was this thing, you know, and she'd have these awful cramps and vomiting and diarrhea and just terrible symptoms. And it just struck me that here was this thing that was a massive part of her life, you know, a huge area of suffering and you know it had never been mentioned from the front on a Sunday you know it was never preached on it wasn't something she felt she could talk about in you know our bible study group and but the bible speaks into these things you know the bible is really honest and raw and it talks about pain and endurance and womanhood and blood mm. and periods you know mm -hmm. it talks about periods so I really wanted to write a book that would kind of speak into this female experience that not many people were speaking into. I work in acquisitions and I've seen a lot of book proposals and yeah, I, I haven't seen <laughs> And one this like never this came across your desk. This <laughs> never came across my desk, so I thought I would write it myself. <laughs> well, I would be interesting to hear, Rachel, in your time spending thinking about this and researching this, why does your reasoning to think that why not only is this not talked about a lot, but why is it even that the book came across my desk and I went, oh my gosh, a book about periods. What did, like, it even brought something up in me as a woman who I like you have appeared every single month. It's been a part of my life since I was 15 years old, but it still brought something up in me. That's the reason you wanted to write it because of that. So I would love to hear like, what have you learned in this journey of how we as even Christians and women can become more comfortable with our bodies? 
Mm, there's definitely like a cultural aspect to it and that's what's fascinating about the conversation more widely in our culture there's this whole kind of movement to talk about periods you know you've got a periods emoji now and they've got you know they almost made it into the last James Bond film and so there's this this kind of movement to no longer be ashamed and to talk about periods and to own our periods and then within the church there's this kind of element of you know is that okay is that okay really like are we meant to be following that kind of groundswell towards liberation or whatever it is because we do we do have passages in the bible that talk about periods and not always in kind of complementary ways you know so I think there's an element of that but I think we're just raised to be quite private about our Mm -hmm. periods yeah yeah um and it's you know even at school you know we used to use kind of code language for being on your period or like in the girls toilets even though everyone else was there was also having periods so you (laughs) know on the one hand it was just like why did we feel that feel the need um I still use code language, you know, I'm like 43 years old and I'm still using code (laughs) language. Okay. I have a curiosity question. You said it almost made it into the James Bond movie. What do you mean by that? So this is the movie that they haven't released yet because it keeps okay, the getting delayed because of COVID, the uh-huh. new one. But they did all the publicity last March when they were about to bring it out, but then uh-huh. they didn't. And apparently they almost had a scene where a female agent threw a used tampon into a bin. And, you know, that had come out during the course of the press interviews and they didn't in the end. But yeah, there was this article where the journalist just asked, you know, nothing is more revealing about a kind of where we're at at the moment that James Bond, this kind of testosterone filled franchise is wondering whether it's time to do a nod to periods because that's what we do these days. There you go. Okay. So you talk about how the Bible actually speaks of periods and to this part of our lives. Can you walk us through this? Like, where are you seeing this so that someone can go, oh my gosh, I, my eyes were never open to what you're talking about. So where do you see the Bible talking about periods? Yeah, so in the book, I try and kind of follow the storyline of scripture. So we start in creation where God makes male and female. They are different, yet both essential, and they both come together to fill and subdue the earth. And so there's that kind of childbearing motif there. And then you get the fall, you get Genesis 3, and you get these kind of gut-wrenching lines where God tells the woman with, you know, it's going to be painful, in pain that you'll bear children. And that is obviously, you know, labor, pregnancy and labor itself, deeply painful. Um, But also there's this sense that just there's so many things that can go wrong just with the whole gynecological area. Mm -hmm. And, And periods themselves are kind of part of that pain that's sort of universal to womanhood. And then as you go through scripture, you get to Leviticus, Leviticus 15. And that's where God says that women on their period unclean for the duration of their period. And so just imagining what what life as Mm. as an Israelite woman is like like that and there's kind of mirror instructions for men and their reproductive discharges but you know you still got kind of questions about why he makes it like that you know Mm -hmm. what's what's his good purposes in saying that you know it's funny because when you're mentioning these scriptural references that you're walking us through and i didn't mean to cut you off so you probably have more and i'll let you go back to it but you're walking through these scriptural references and i just rachel i'm sitting over going i have never ever given a second thought to the fact that God knows or cares about my 
reproductive system. I don't mean reproductive because I know that that would be like, you know, getting pregnant and having a baby. And I clearly see God's hand on that. But my every month cycle of like mm-hmm. the, of how that is instilled in me and how God has created everything. And I'm just, I know this is your life and you wrote this book. And so I'm just saying, I'm over here going, I've never thought about these before I got my hands on your book and read it. Mm-hmm. And so thank you so much. Okay. I didn't want to cut you off. Keep going with the scripture references. But that is what's so fascinating about that Leviticus passage is that he, yeah, he, he kind of sees, he knows it, he anticipates it, he kind of regulates it with regards to worship at the temple. So, you know, if you're unclean as a woman on your period, you can't worship in the in the tabernacle and later the temple. Uh, yeah, just this idea that this God is so intimately involved and he kind of, he sees and he mm-hmm. knows and that's not kind of beneath his gaze and it's not, you know, something that he's uninterested in that he kind of sees our whole person. And that's kind of brought into even, you know, more wonderful clarity in the Gospels. And we have this beautiful story uh, in Mark 5 of Jesus and the, the bleeding woman. And she's been she's been bleeding for 12 years with some kind of gynecological issue. And just, you know, how painful that must have been, mm. just a sheer exha- exhaustion. And, you know, she's so ashamed that she just wants to reach the edge of Jesus's cloak. Mm. And so she, you know, she goes up to him in the crowd and she grabs the edge of his cloak and all of a sudden all of a sudden she's healed you know but that's not enough for Jesus he wants to see her and speak mm. to her and restore her and so you get this beautiful scene where Jesus stops what he's doing he's on the way to to raise raise a, well to heal a little girl he's got things to do but he wants to stop and speak to this woman and address her as daughter and say your your faith has healed you and it's just a really beautiful scene just that that Jesus is not disgusted by these issues. You know, he's not, he's not embarrassed. No matter how many uh, men I've spoken to about this book, maybe are a bit embarrassed (laughs) when we we come to talk about it. But, you know, Jesus is a man who loves women and who sees them uh, and cares about them and cares about these kind of issues. Mm. You know, you mentioned earlier about a friend of yours who struggles with endometriosis. And I know that is a common struggle for so many women. And it's kind of, in some sense, not talked about enough. And I think women might feel maybe embarrassed or not having a friend to share that with or all the struggles that go with that. What have you learned in your journey of writing this book about God seeing them in that pain and caring for them? And what does that mean as a Christian woman to walk through life with almost this a little bit of a debilitating illness that comes up and rears its ugly head with us? What did you learn about that? And what do you have to say even to the woman who's listening, who's going, this is my story. This is the struggle that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is so, it is common. It's sort of 10% of women is the statistic. Oh, wow, yeah. And um, yeah, this friend in particular, you know, she's had to fight really hard for like doctors to take her seriously, to get the kind of diagnosis and the treatment. And now, thankfully, she has been prescribed some things that are helping her. And so, yeah, it's just keep persevering on a really practical kind of level. Keep persevering because, you know, you you can get the help you need and it is possible. I was thinking even along the lines of I think that this can be a hard thing for women to open up about mm-hmm. because it feels like something's wrong with some a part of my body that is not easy to talk about. Yeah. And so there might be some shame or some embarrassment there. And I, I see what you're doing with this book is the whole thing is like, let's take out the shame. Let's take out the mm-hmm. embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what every woman in the world 
for the most part, is dealing with our periods. And so even with something like endometriosis, where a woman might feel alone and different and there's something wrong with me, I feel like the gospel meets her there. A lot of women are embarrassed to talk about it, so they're not allowing their friends to speak that gospel to them. Mm It's kind of what I was feeling about that, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. even having some friends that have walked through that. And so the encouragement of, man, the gospel meets you in your pain, even in your endometriosis, which is, you know, good news for those women who are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just brings into, into sharper relief, doesn't it? That gospel hope of a, of a new body. Like I can remember, uh, yeah, this friend saying, you know, I'm really looking forward to the menopause. And I was like, hmm, I, the menopause hasn't got good reviews. Either. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to look forward to that. But you know, you know what I know what she means. Yeah. But she does have something to look forward to. You know, she does have that hope of a new body where this isn't going to be an issue. And she She's going to spend eternity in that body with all the joy that comes from having a body and having a body that works as it's meant to and better. And that is, you know, that's even if when the medical prognosis, you know, is uncertain and or is not forthcoming, um, you know, through Christ, we can look forward to that. But yeah, it definitely is a hard thing to talk about. But if we can move past that, then we, you know, I think there's great joy to be found in kind of sharing our struggles with each other. And I'm sure you'd be surprised with, with who else is kind of suffering unseen with similar things. Like that's what I've been struck by kind of talking to people about this book is just... Yeah, loads of people I would never have guessed had issues in this mm-hmm. area, and mm-hmm. they do. So, yeah, I'm sure you would find a kindred soul. So true. It's so true. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s, 
If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Rachel, you have another book that you wrote. Well, you've been a part of tons of books, but another one that I think is so interesting called Is This It? And I believe this came out in early 2019 about the quarter life crisis. And first of all, can you just explain there's the new thing? It's not new at all, but what is called dubbed the quarter life crisis and explain to me why you wrote this book about that. Yeah. So the quarter life crisis is kind of it when you're in your 20s or early 30s and you've kind of gone through education and you've popped out the other side and you're ready to take the world on and you know you maybe get your first job or whatever and you get a few years down the line and you're like is this it it? like (laughs) is this what being an adult is like oh this is not what I wanted it to be like you know and just feelings of kind of lost like you're floating through you don't know what next step to take um kind of loneliness you know kind of relationship problems you know, am I going to get married? When am I going to find the one? Who even are my friends? And just kind of feeling unsettled and kind of unmoored in the world uh, yeah. is how I'd describe it. So what did that look like for you? Like, what were the struggles that you all of a sudden went? Is this it that when you were, you know, in your late 20s? And what did that look like for you personally? I just remember this one instant where I, so I was living in this kind of shared house with the landlord, like let rooms. So we kind of had this revolving cast of different housemates. And there was this one housemate who was just genuinely really terrifying. And so I really didn't like where I was living because I felt like I was always walking on eggshells around this girl. And I wasn't really enjoying my job at that point because I just had sort of grown out of the role I was doing and wasn't sure what to do next, but didn't really have the confidence to apply for anything. So I kind of felt stuck there. And I'd been at my church for kind of three or four years. And, you know, I thought that should be enough time to really feel like I belong here, but didn't really feel connected with people in the way I wanted to. And so I remember this one day and it was Valentine's Day (laughs) and I was single and I came home from work and I got in and I had like a run in with this kind of scary housemate. And I went to my car because that was the only place I 
could go. And I sobbed my eyes out to my mum down the phone and was like, I just so unhappy. And yeah, that for me was kind of, yeah, Mm -hmm. the point of absolute is this it? And kind of these different circumstances had come together. So what is that for that age group who's hitting in that moment right there? Like what is the, not the solution, but what does it look like to persevere through these moments of, I don't know what to do with my life. I thought I'd be married by now. I'm dissatisfied with my job. I I don't think I'm good at anything else. Like what is the kind of, not the turning point by any means, but what do we do to get through those moments? Yeah, I think there were two truths that I kept coming back to as I was writing the book. And they, the, the book goes through kind of 12 different of these issues and they kept coming up. And it was, hey, just this big view of eternity, that life is short and eternity is long. And it's very easy to get swept up in what now looks like or even what the next 50 years look like. But if we really believe that we're heading to this glorious future with the Lord Jesus, then we're not going to sweat the next 50 years, you know? So there was that kind of, that idea, uh, just kind of raising our eyes to another horizon. And then just the, the importance of the local church. I think that was the other thing that kept coming up, you know, finding our sense of community and our sense of purpose and our kind of vocation in serving the local church. And that is success even if that's Mm. not what the world says is success you know that is what God calls us to do and he doesn't demand great things from us he doesn't you know he calls us to just ordinary everyday faithfulness and often it doesn't look that glamorous you know often Mm. it looks like chasing after the toddlers in the nursery but that is beautiful in his sight And, you know, at the same time, he's given us gifts to steward and we want to make good decisions. And I think often some of us just need help to, yeah, be making steps forward Mm -hmm. um, uh, where we can, you know. So, and that's, yeah, wise and godly mentors can help us with that. I love the everyday serving in your local church mentality, but I think that feels less than to some people. They're like, oh, that's just like, I'll do something on Sundays, but during the week, God, what am I doing with my life? I can't get anywhere. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't like my job. How do you see giving your life away for your church? How do you see that filling in those blanks of the other cultural desires that someone would want? Because, I mean, Rachel, I agree with what you're saying, 110%. But I also remember when I was 25 and I'm going, well, that doesn't solve my problem because what solves my problem is a better job and a husband and a bigger house and a new car. (laughs) That solves my problem. So what is the step from getting from how do we have serving actually fill those holes for us? There's nothing wrong with going after a job either because, you you know, you serve in your job too. There's nothing wrong with desiring to get married and taking steps to make that happen. And I think, you know, some of us want those things and yet we're kind of stuck where we are in a rut. And I, yeah, I remember when I was that age, I, you know, rather than apply for any jobs or actually do anything, I applied to appear on a TV game show because that was kind of... <laughs> kind of lower stakes. But that sounds real fun, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was fun. It was less fun when I got on the TV game oh, show. Oh, you got on the made, show? Made a complete embarrassment of myself, yeah. Well, you have to tell us the story because this is this is the things we need to know. What TV show was this and what did you have to do? I, well, it hasn't aired yet, so I don't think I'm allowed to say, but all I'll say is there was a question where there was like a question where the answer was Narnia, C.S. Lewis. 
and I got it wrong. And having said I worked in Christian publishing, there was a question where the answer was a Christian book and I got it wrong. So that was Oh man. But about pursuing those goals, but also really, really diving into the local church and feeling satisfied there and living this kind of non-glamorous life and that God calls us sometimes to just serve and serve our people and the difference in how that that truly can satisfy us. And I think that's mm-hmm. the difference is we think these other things are going to satisfy the things of our soul and there's nothing wrong with them, but they won't satisfy our soul, mm, you absolutely. know? And, and so living that mundane life. So what was the top thing that you kind of struggled with in that season? You said you went through 12 different things. What was it for you? Oh, choosing one. And the other thing is that like, I've just, I've struggled with other things since, you know, they've, they've kind <laughs> yeah. of, they've, they've not, it doesn't, didn't fix the problem right in the book. A hundred percent. Right. Know, you don't have all the answers for us, Rachel. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I struggled the most with loneliness uh, during that season and just feeling like nobody really knew me or no one knew the kind of whole 360 degrees. So, you know, I had some school friends who remembered what I was like when I was 15 and I had some new friends who kind of was more in tune with what I was doing day to day now. Mm -hmm. I had work friends who kind of got what was going on in the office, but didn't really feel like I had someone who saw the whole picture. Mm. And that was just, yeah, an opportunity to really press into the truth that the Lord knows, you know, that he alone can see the 360 degrees. You know, he knows when I sit and when I rise, you know, in the words of Psalm 139, he discerns my thoughts from afar. And so, yeah, if I'm looking for someone to see this, he's the one that sees it. But also that friendships take time, you know, and I can look back on that time now and I can, you know, I've got people in my life now who, you know, God has put people in my life and he's deepened friendships, you know, that we've the kind of surface level friends back then are real and genuine and deep friendships now. And I guess it's just kind of reorienting our our expectations in terms of just how much time and how much life it takes to kind of feel rooted in a place and feel connected with people. But, you know, the Lord is kind in that. That's good when you said reorienting our expectations, because I'm even thinking about this particular life stage that we're talking about. And when you said, you know, I had work friends that knew me here and college friends and people from high school and then church friends and then family and all the things. And it's like they have different parts of you. And for Mm -hmm. the first time in your life, usually around this stage, there are these different sections, whereas, you know, my kids who are in high school, they do everything with the same friends. You know, they go to school with them. They play football with them. They go to church with them. And so it is this new season and really figuring out how friendships take time. And, you know, I can just say as a woman who's older than you, that that's still something that I'm learning is that friendships develop over time and learning and wanting to be known is hard, hard work. What was another one of the 12 things that you walk through in your book that you walk through with us? I think God has been really kind to me in regards to my singleness. I think that's that was also an issue when I wrote the book. When I, yeah, when I wrote the book, my sister was getting married and 
yeah, I just, oh yeah, I ruined the bar- bridesmaids shopping by crying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you have to tell, you have to tell us the story, Rachel. What happened? Oh, we just, we just bought, like, we bought the dresses and then we got them home and then I tried it on and I was like, I hate it. And I was crying, you know, in this bridesmaids dress. But I wasn't really crying because I hated the dress. I was crying because I wasn't getting married and my sister was. And yeah, and that it was just sort of bringing all those emotions to the fore. But that was, you know, that was another instance where I think, again, it's just the, that sort of eternal perspective of this, you know, this, the next 50 years are not it. And, you know, all these, the wedding is pointing forward to the marriage supper of the lamb. The kind of looking ahead to that horizon, but also just looking at today, you know, I think that's a question I've found really helpful. Like, are you, can you be content being single today? And um, when I just look at today, I mean, maybe for some women, it's the answer is no. But for me, often it's like, actually, today's okay. I got a roof over my head. I've got a job, you know, I've got, you know, I've got plans this evening or whatever, you know, and my fears about singleness are about tomorrow or next weekend. You know, what am I going to do next weekend when I'm on my own? Or what am I going to do, you know, in a year's time when X, Y, Z, who am I going to spend my holidays with? That kind of thing. But yeah, when I'm kind of in that thought spiral of, what if, what if, what if in the future? I found it so helpful to just think, you know, can I be content today? You know, can I rejoice in God's goodness to me today? And if God is good to me today, I can trust him to be good to me tomorrow. And, you know, I can trust him to provide what I need and who I need in the years ahead, just like he's provided for me today. So that's the kind of perspective that I've, I, and that was a, yeah, that was a, a missionary, a single missionary working in kind of West Africa who had addressed our student group. And that was the question she put to us. Can I be content being single today? And yeah, that's something that's stuck with me a long time. That's really good because although we have our, our eyes set on eternity, which is, you know, forever, I do think in so many areas, whether it's singleness or childbearing or a job or whatever it is, our stress and frustration and worry comes from who am I going to go to that wedding with? Or what mm-hmm. will I do at thanks, you know, Christmas or what will I do here or there? And then the way you rephrased it is so good because, well, just what does today look like? And today feels great, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure, let's be honest, there are some days that you don't feel content. Mm-hmm. And then you have to work through that. But that's, yeah. you know, but most days, could you say you feel content? Yeah, most days. And I'm content today. That's today. The thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> today I am. And tomorrow, you know, that'll be another day. But, you know, God's mercies are new every morning. And that's, you know, and you, I don't think we arrive at a, arrive at a point where we're kind of, okay, content now for... A straight line for the rest of our lives. Right. You know, it's always our daily coming back to the Lord and seeking Him and what we need in Him. I wish you could write the book to tell us how to be content for the rest of our lives, Rachel, because I mean, we all need that because you're right. It doesn't work that way. It's like a day by day thing. Speaking of, are you working on any new projects? Not that I'm writing myself, but okay. lots of like editorial projects, um, working with, with authors. So that's exciting. Did you tell me that with your kids group that you're doing at church that y'all are going through Narnia book? We are. Yeah. So we're doing uh, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. So it's been really fun. We've only just started back in person because it's been COVID and um, there's still quite a lot of restrictions in terms of, you know, they're meant to keep two meters apart and all of that stuff. So we've been doing this really fun Narnia 
a theme and so they they come and we watch a bit of the film and there's a snow machine that like blasts them as they come through the coats oh the i love and, it yeah, yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun I love it so much. Well, now your friend's going to give you even more heck because you missed that Narnia question. I know. When you're leaving. <laughs> I don't mean to bring it up again, Rachel. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I loved reading those books to my kids forever ago when they were little. And so such yeah. great classics. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, Rachel, I would love to hear what you're loving and what you're reading. I am loving my sunflower that I'm growing at the moment. We oh, like gardening this year. Look at and, you. Uh, having a little sunflower growing competition. And mine is looking good. <laughs> Did you grow it from a seed or you got it? Yeah. Okay. So me and my housemates, we've all got, we all got one seed each. And, uh, what a fun little are, contest. We are. <laughs> we are. And uh, yeah, I got mine on my table right in front of me now, and I'm 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 pretty proud of it. Awesome. Not that you do anything, you know. Jesus told the parable about that, didn't he? About how we we don't actually make things grow. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. You're watering it and helping it out, helping it out. <laughs> yeah. What else? Reading, loving lots of books on the go at the moment. I'm loving um, A Praying Life by Paul Miller, which I've never read until now and yeah really good just loving how kind of simple he makes it and how it you know it is coming to our heavenly father and praying like a child and just asking for what you need yeah really really enjoying that uh, just finished a book by ian mortimer who it was called the outcasts of time and that was fun because it was set in the black death which yeah if this last year has felt bad i mean it's not as bad as the black <laughs> not death. as bad yeah it's like postules uh but um yeah and they, they it's about these brothers and they basically get an opportunity to live one day in every subsequent century and so it's really oh, fun wow. learning history because you kind of see through their eyes what they what changes and um yeah so i that's love been that fun. I love that. Well, Rachel, thank you for writing about periods, a brief theology of periods. Yes, really. An adventure for the curious into bodies, womanhood, time, pain, and purpose, and how to have a better time of the month. Came out this year, you guys. Get it wherever you get books. And thanks for talking about that quarter-life crisis, because although I'm past the quarter-life crisis, good news and bad news is that most of the things that you wrestle with in the quarter-life crisis, you don't ever wrestle them down to the ground. They just keep Mm -hmm. coming back up and you keep fighting them for the rest of your life. So I don't know where the good news is in that. Well, the good news is that we can wrestle because God gives us the power. Uh, the bad news is, I guess we keep wrestling till we see him. That's how it is. But we have the Holy Spirit, so we can wrestle. That's right. Amen. 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 Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. 
guys. I hope you loved it. Such a great conversation about some things that we just don't talk about very often and this midlife quarter crisis, which so many people can relate to. I hope you enjoyed this. Check out Rachel Jones and get her books wherever you get books. Also, don't forget, subscribe to the newsletter because we have a big announcement coming at the beginning of September. JamieIvy.com slash newsletter. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.